we worship you in this house. We're thankful that we can come together, sharpening each other and lifting you up with one voice and one accord. Praise your name. Come on, declare this morning that he's on your side. I'm marching to battle, no doubt in my mind that my God is with me and victory is mine. I'll dance in the shadow of my
determine season don't determine how holy situations don't determine how worthy he is we call his name Emmanuel Emmanuel is here he's in this place this morning would you pour your worship out at his feet worshiper would you give him your worship at this moment a shout to the Lord. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. He is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody to just lift your hands all across this room, online. Come on, everybody just lift your hands. Come on, just minister to the Lord right now. Everyone minister to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going into a time of observance of Holy Communion. A lot in Christianity don't understand the importance. And I, I just want to say it's an ordinance of the church. And as often as we do this, we show forth the Lord's death until he comes. You can be seated. And ushers, I want you to come to the front. Make sure everyone has the elements of communion. If you do not have these elements, raise your hand and the ushers will serve you there. I see some hands raised, ushers. ushers. 
Amen. For as often as we do this, we remember the work that Christ did on Calvary. And I thought about it several times while we were in Israel this last week and how important Holy Communion is. And it should be a regular part of worship if you understand the Scriptures. Paul said, But I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it. I'm going to pray that miracles happen as we receive Holy Communion. How many need a miracle from God? How many, how many need healing in your body? I want you to hold your hands up. I'm telling you, as we walked the Via Della Rosa on Tuesday of this week, I was thinking, Jesus, that was a hard walk for you, but you did it for me. You did it for me, and I received benefit. What we're doing right now is we're recognizing all that Christ accomplished, and I want you to claim your benefits in Christ. For by His stripes ye are healed. And I want you to claim that. I want you to take the bread. Father, sanctify these elements. Let them be supernatural in our bodies as we partake. In Jesus' name. Let's take the bread representing His broken body. Take the juice representing his blood. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Come on, let's stand and sing it. Come on. in America and uh, for a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit. I want us to pray over God and country tonight because the heart of this is about seeing America return to God. And uh, Father in Jesus, now everybody join Pastor. 
Join me. Father, we pray for America. We repent for our sins as a nation, O oh God, and we turn to you in repentance, asking you to visit our land. I pray that this weekend we will see God as, as Christians across this nation honor the heritage that we have and the background and realize that we need a fresh move of God. We need God in America. And Lord, I pray for each and every person that's a part of this church, church family, and everyone watching online in our Middleburg campus. And Lord, I bless them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give a clap offering to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Turn to someone, shake their hands, and say, God bless you for being in God's house today. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Pastor Dusty, we got some exciting things happening today. We do. God in Country is back. How many of you are excited about God in Country today? Since 2019, we have not had this, and it is back, and so I just came up here just to give a few brief instructions to make sure that God and Country goes as best as it possibly can today. Uh, God and Country is not just something we're doing tonight. We're celebrating it all day today, uh, but we do have just a few uh, housekeeping things that we need to discuss to make sure that everything goes smooth. The biggest thing, um, and I'm just going to ask that everybody please pay attention really quickly because there's a few things we need to discuss. The biggest thing... Uh, is every vehicle that is in our parking lot that is surrounding this building. So in front of the sanctuary, on each side of the sanctuary, behind the sanctuary where the offices are and where the gym is, we need everybody to please move your vehicle immediately following this service. So if you could please do us a favor, we will not have fireworks tonight if that doesn't happen. So please do us a favor. Also, just wanna give you an update on how we're gonna do things this year. Starting at 5 p.m., all the food trucks will be here. So please don't just show up at six o'clock tonight. Be here at five o'clock. Uh, the food trucks will be out in the parking lot. Also, we are doing something different this year. We are bringing our service indoors. So at six o'clock, we will have a service right here for an hour and immediately following that hour service, we will all go outside uh, and everything will culminate with the fireworks tonight. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring a few things. Bring yourself, bring an appetite, for some food trucks, bring your own lawn chair tonight. That's important, all right? And then bring somebody with you. It's gonna be a great night. God bless. Hallelujah. We're looking forward to it. And uh, I, I wanna share my heart. About 11 years ago when I was praying, and I was praying about America, I said, God, we've got to have revival. And uh, the Lord showed me something. And he showed me the American flag on the cross and I said wow that was put in my spirit and uh, I came back to the team and I said we got to replicate something that I saw in my spirit I said I want that big American flag hung on the cross and draping down because America needs God and uh, as I was driving up this morning I looked at that vision is still alive, and I believe God can turn this nation around. I'm believing for Holy Ghost revival. I'm believing for a move of God. 
prayed for America while we were touring Israel the last 10 days and just praying for God to visit this land, looking at history. I try to be a student of history. I try to study and learn when I go to Israel and learn the lessons of history. That's a smart thing to do is learn from the past so we don't repeat the past. And, uh, and I'm believing for a, a powerful move of God tonight. I need, I need, now the festivities begin at 5 o'clock. The fire marshal requires us to have the perimeter of the building so far. That's why we ask you to move your cars. Uh, we have to have it cleared because the fire marshal will be here. And he, he says, okay, everything's safe. Fireworks can go off. And that'll be just after 9 o'clock. Uh, tonight, but at five o'clock, festivities outside. At six o'clock, we're going to invite everybody to come in to the sanctuary in the lobby, and we're going to have a one-hour service. I've got a, a message God gave me while I was in Israel for tonight. In fact, uh, He gave me a message for Wednesday night. I'm going to preach Wednesday. And I'm going to preach next Sunday morning, and uh, that's something that God's put in my heart. But I want you here tonight. And I need 100 people to join me, 100 people at 5 o'clock. I know the food trucks and festivities are starting outside. Everybody's coming at 6. But we're going to pray for 30 minutes from 5 to 5.30 in the chapel. And I need 100 people to meet me at 5 o'clock. And let's pray. And let's pray for a visitation of the Spirit of God. I need you there. I need 100 people that will join pastor tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you an Arise Build update. And uh, in the month of June, we had $43,000 come in for the building fund of the church. Look at that. Look at God. And so this week, we will send thousands of dollars off to bless ministries in Israel because of the giving to the building fund. That's not tithes. That's the building fund. And that's how we're able to do what we do is, is uh, and, and how we bless. When, you know, about eight or nine years ago, I was praying, Lord, how can we bless Israel? I, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing and, and or not doing. I want to do something. And God said, you just start announcing the building fund, and then you tithe off of that. And every month, we probably give maybe 20% maybe 20% uh, to Israel. How many believe that's a good thing? I want to see your hand. Genesis 12, 1. He that blesses Israel, I'll bless. That's Genesis 12, 1. And that means you not just say something, you do something. Be doers of the word. And so God showed us that, and Lord has blessed us because we bless Israel. And you're a part of a culture. You're a part of a church that believes that. And we do bless Israel. I want the ushers to come to the front to receive the Lord's tithe and offerings. All the prayer meetings taking place this week. Tomorrow's a holiday. And someone said, do you pray on Monday morning on a holiday? We're going to pray tomorrow morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many want God to take a holiday off? Huh? <laughs> We're going to be here praying. Amen. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I read a scripture. I did my devotions every day while I was in Israel. You can't be in the land of the Bible, the Holy Land, and not try to draw closer to God. And so I was opening the Word, and one morning God spoke to me from Deuteronomy 28. And I want everybody online to hear this, and I want everybody in this sanctuary. The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouses. Storehouses where you place the abundance, where you place the extra. And in all that your hand sets itself to. Everybody look at your hand. God says, I'm going to bless the work of your hand. How many want the work of your hand blessed? God doesn't just promise to meet your basic needs. Now, he does. But he doesn't just promise. He says, I'm going to give you such abundance that you're going to need a storehouse. And your barns will be filled with plenty, he says in his word. It's where you put the extra. I want to call in something for this church family today, and I want you to stand with me. I want to call in that July and August are going to be months of abundance. Now, if you don't want that, don't say anything. But if you want abundance and extra and you need a big storehouse, how many are going to declare, I need a big storehouse? To hold. My God says, press down, shaking together, running over. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say, Lord God, I believe your word. I call in abundance. I call in extra. I obey your word. And I'm declaring that July and August there's going to be more than enough that we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living I call in a storehouse full of blessings so that I can give and help reach this last day harvest in Jesus name now I want you to lift up your voice come on Let's lift up a praise to the Lord and you can be seated. Amen.
Lift up a shout of praise to Jesus this morning. Come on, we can do better than that. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God, we wait upon you today for you to come to bring strength, to bring newness of life. God, we bless your name. We bless you. Scripture says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And His Word promises and declares that as we wait on Him, He will renew our strength. We don't live by economy alone. We don't live by diagnosis or prognosis alone. We don't live by any of the world's systems alone, but we live by faith, trusting in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and that as we wait upon Him, His Word declares that our lives will be strength. And one more time, let's just slip up our hands. Father, we wait upon you today. God, that you will bring strength to your people. God, may we not grow weary and well-doing, but may we know that we will reap a harvest if we faint not. God, may we put our hands to the plow and not look back, but may we press forward, seeing your kingdom, seeing it established here on earth as it is in heaven. We bless your holy name today and praise you in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Lift up a shout of praise to Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Don't sit down on me, but if you would, turn around and welcome somebody home this morning. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word and say hello to somebody as you are doing so. We're going to be jumping into Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. I love Nehemiah. Great book of the Bible. Um, Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're starting God in country today. I'm excited for what God is going to do. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1, I believe they have it up there with me as well. Um, it says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. No idea how to pronounce these words. So we're going to do our best. Now, it happened in the month of January, the 20th. Just kidding, it wasn't January. It says Chislev. The 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Han and I, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. So Nehemiah, he's in Susa which was basically like the winter city where the kings of Babylon would spend their, their winter. So it was the winter palace. So he's there and some of his bros from Jerusalem come up to him. And he's basically saying, hey, what's the latest going on in Judea and uh, Jerusalem? And so they give a report. They say to Nehemiah, the remnant there in the province who survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. Not what you want to hear, Right? people of God in Jerusalem, they're in great trouble, they're in great shame. The wall of Jerusalem, it's been broken down. The gates, they're destroyed by fire. Nehemiah says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned. Not for an hour, not for 30 minutes, not for a day, but he says, I wept and mourned for days. His heart was broken when he heard the report. Of Jerusalem. It says, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The scripture goes on and details how Nehemiah begins to repent collectively for the nation, for the sin, and all that had taken place in Israel. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word speaks to us, God, where we are, even in our nation today, that we can lean into your word and trust that your word is good. Um, give us life through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, today's an exciting day for our church. It's been about three years since we've been able to celebrate um, God and country, and so much has happened in those last three years. I don't need to recap it because we've all lived it, right? And whether we wanted to or not, here we are. The world and our country has shifted and changed tremendously in the last three years, right? Everybody agree that things, they're, they're different. Things are just different. Some things have gotten better, some not so much. But one thing that has not changed is our need for God. Um, our need for God, it doesn't change. Our need for God every single day is total and absolute. So basically, we cannot grow in our need for God. It's total and absolute every day. Now, our awareness of our need changes from day to day, but our need does not. And so, one thing we know, and as a church, God and country, for us, it, it, it exists at Evangel as a call to this nation 
to return to God. Why? Because America needs God. Just as much as Mexico, Brazil, Germany, um, Austria, Ukraine, any other nation around our world, America needs God, both institutionally and as the people, we need God in America. And I understand that America is not my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. I'm an alien to this world. But this I, I, I know, that God told Jeremiah and the exiles in Babylon to work for the good of the land where they were exiled. God told Jeremiah, not in his homeland, Israel, to work for the good of Israel, but he told him in the land that they were exiled to work for the good of the land where they were exiled because in its welfare, they would find their welfare. So they were an alien just passing through a land, and the land that they were passing through, what were they to do? Work for the good of that land. We're pilgrims just passing through. What are we to do? Work for the good of the land. So we too must work for the land and for the good of the land where God has planted us. Some might say, how can we work for the good of a nation that's broken and corrupt? The same way God told the Jewish people to work for the welfare of Babylon. Babylon who had committed terrible atrocities inexcusable genocide, the enslavement of multitudes of nations. How do, we, how do we do this when a nation has drifted so far away and strayed? We call this nation back to God. That's what the prophets of old did. I love looking to the prophets of old and, and Joshua, he stands and, and says to the people in an emphatic cry, he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel where we stood a couple of weeks ago, he says, if Baal be God, then serve him. But if Jehovah, if God be God, then serve him. Him, both individually and collectively, we are confronted with a choice as a nation, and we must choose God. There are many who do not like the intermingling of God and country, and it's mainly because people want to limit, they want to limit the reach that God has into their lives. That's the reality. People want to limit the reach of God, but it's not possible. Right? It's not possible to limit the sovereign's reach into our lives and discourse of life. And even recently, our government has started a grant program for organizations in the past couple of months, giving up to $500,000 per organization who will commit to practicing and spreading atheism and humanism in our world. This is where we are as a nation. It's insanity. It's not good. People don't want God. They want to eradicate God from society. But here's what I know about God. He wants all of us. Even if we don't want him, he wants all of us. Every heart, every soul, every person, every politician, every policy. There is no separation of God and state because God God is all-encompassing. He is all, he is in all, and he will have all. That's just who he is. He cries out mine over every square inch of creation because it is all his. It exists for his pleasure and for his good, and it will return back to his pleasure and to his good. That's just the reality, which means we must call this nation back to repentance. To Nehemiah, Nehemiah was one of the prophets chosen by God to help rebuild Jerusalem. I'm thankful that God still chooses people, amen? 
I'm thankful that he still chooses the broken and the finite, amen? And he calls him to specifically rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Nehemiah was no ordinary prophet. He was cupbearer to a king, right? He was working not in the, the religious form and the functionality of the temple and the Levitical priesthood. What's Nehemiah doing? He's serving wine to the king. He's cupbearer to the king. And so he had a close connectivity with the king of the strongest empire in the world at the time. Nehemiah has this very prestigious role, but in spite of his position, Nehemiah still has a tender heart towards the things of God. I love that. Sir or ma'am, never get too big for God. I'm cupbearer to the king. I don't need God, right? That wasn't Nehemiah's position. It wasn't his posture. Never get too big for God or the things of God. Keep a tender heart towards the things of God. See, some of God's prophets were kings. Some were second in command to Pharaoh. Some were shepherds. Some were stay-at-home moms. Some were businesswomen. Some were vine dressers. You know what it tells me? God can use anyone and everyone as long as their heart is tender towards him. He can and he will as long as we stay tender towards him. So Nehemiah, what does he do? He starts by asking his brothers about the state of the people who had survived the exile. And in verse 3, he's told that the remnant in the province who have survived is in one, great trouble and shame. The walls are broken down. The gates, they've been destroyed by fire. The nation, it's been ripped apart, it's been ripped to shreds. And this isn't just any ordinary nation. This is Israel we're talking about. The nation who was called out by God. The nation who was set apart by God. Israel, one of the strongest nations militarily, politically, economically of antiquity. It's now destroyed. Yet... The same Israel was torn apart and sent into exile because of their own wickedness. Babylon might have destroyed them, but it was their own sin that led to their implosion. It was their own sin that led to their destruction. Church sin has many masters. They all present themselves in different forms and different fashions. Temptation comes in many ways. Sin has many masters, but their end is all the same destruction. And that was the end of Israel, destruction, which is why we must be diligent to keep our hearts from wandering. We must be diligent to keep our hearts for out of it flow the issues of life is what Proverbs says. And so here you have Israel in this state because it did not keep watch over its heart. And verse 4 says that Nehemiah, as soon as he hears these words, he breaks down and he weeps and he mourns for days. He fasts and prays before the God of heaven. Why? Because Nehemiah hears the broken state of his nation. Mind you, not every person in Israel at this time was a God-fearing person. Yet Nehemiah still wept. Not every person's heart was bent towards the Lord. Yet Nehemiah still wept. Many, including the city and lead, the city leadership and religious leadership were corrupt. They were worshiping other gods. They were practicing injustice. They were enslaving the, the poor. And Israel at this point is a very imperfect nation. And in spite of its imperfections, Nehemiah weeps. How are we doing at weeping with the brokenness that we see on TV? 
As people are seething, they're angry, they're mad, they're tired, they're frustrated. We cannot work and weep for the righteous alone. We cannot work and weep for the righteous alone, but our heart must go out to a nation who is hurting and broken in spite of its imperfections. When we see it on TV, yes, we might not agree with it, and we might be uh, on the opposite side of, of everything, especially with everything we've seen with Roe v. Wade, and, and thank God for the sanctity of life and for the overturning of this, but church, our heart, hold on with me. Our hearts should go out for the brokenness of the people that we see. Because even though the legislation might have changed, there's still hearts that haven't. There's still hearts that haven't. And last time I checked, laws don't make it to heaven. Or hell, people do. We have work to do. Our heart must be broken. So what is our response to our nation's brokenness? Our emotions can drive us in a lot of ways. But Jesus, right, Jesus, he wept over the city, the people, and the rulers, and the Roman government who would eventually crucify him. We cannot work and weep for the righteous alone. The state of our nation should cause our hearts to be broken. It should lead us to a place like it did for Nehemiah of sincere repentance and prayer. Those who have the heart of God are broken over the state of affairs. But they don't just stay and live in brokenness. They move from brokenness to rebuilders of that which is broken. Not people who want to see the further demise, not people who want to see the further destruction, but church, we are called to be those who redeem, those who restore, those who help rebuild the broken places. Because church, if he can restore a broken life, he can restore a broken nation. I said, if he can restore a broken person, if he can restore a hundred broken people, if he can restore a thousand broken people, then don't limit a limitless God to restore a nation who is hurting and is in pain. We must call this nation back to the Lord. So Nehemiah chapter 2, flip over to it for me, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in the king's presence. The king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid. He was scared for his head, like something had gone wrong, and he's about to get his head chopped off. And so he said to the king, O king, live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, Nehemiah, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you would send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Doesn't sound like a good idea, right? We're going to rebuild a kingdom that's against your kingdom, right? And the king said to me, and the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him the time. Nehemiah is sad. He's broken, right? But he doesn't just stay in a state of brokenness. Nehemiah was driven to action. Church, we must be driven to action. 
We can go one of two ways when we get into these places. When we hear bad reports, when we see situations that we don't like, when our finances aren't where they need to be, when children might be straying from the Lord, when things aren't like they're supposed to be, we can go one or two ways. We can allow the enemy to take over and let fear, doubt, and uncertainty be our master. We can allow the enemy to give us a vision of continued destruction or we can allow God to speak to us in these times and let him give us a vision to build. Church, it was in the midst of his pain that Nehemiah went to God and God gave him a vision for his nation. It was in the midst of a valley, in the midst of a hard place, in the midst of a desperate place. Where did his vision come from? It says that he went to his prayer closet. The king said, what are you requesting? So he prayed to God. We can't despise the broken places. We can't despise the broken pieces. God can and he will use every piece and every place of brokenness if we will let him. We cannot despise the valley. We cannot despise the the low points in life. We cannot despise the difficult moments. We cannot despise the hard areas. What do we do in those moments? We fast, we pray, we weep, we repent. And church, God will give us a vision of what he can and will do if we will trust him in the midst of our broken places. This is what Nehemiah did. He wept and mourned for days, went to the king. The king said, what's going on? He said, it's broken, it's bad. He said, well, what can we do about it? So he went to God in prayer and God gives him a vision to rebuild church. When family isn't where it is supposed to be, go to the Lord in prayer and the Lord will give us a vision where finances aren't supposed to be. Go to the Lord in prayer where medical reports are not where they're supposed to be don't despair go to the Lord and prayer and watch him watch him give us a vision of what can and will be God will give us a dream if we lift our eyes up from the valley it's okay to weep but we can't stay there there's a time to get up and to get dressed for action Isaiah 58 He says, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Yes, our nation might not be in the best place. Yes, our nation might be in a difficult place, but my Bible says that we will be called the repairs of ancient ruins, the repairs of streets that need to be rebuilt, the repairs of those foundations that need to be resurrected. It might not look good, Let's look to God in the midst of the valley. Let's pray about it. Let's trust God for it. So Nehemiah, what does he do? He makes his request to the king. I'm no expert in history, but from the timelines I've studied, if you pull up that timeline, um, the wall surrounding Jerusalem was rebuilt somewhere about 70 to 80 years after the temple was built. So Zerubbabel, Cyrus gets this decree and vision from God, and he says, God's charged me to rebuild a house for him in Jerusalem around 538 B.C., and it takes from 538 
to about 515, so about 25 years-ish, to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But watch this. Nehemiah doesn't get sent by Artaxerxes till 444 BC, 70 years later, to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. So the temple, the valuable place, the place of worship, the altar, was rebuilt 70 years beforehand, and the wall was rebuilt 70 years later. I'm starting to think through this. I'm like, man, before a defense system was ever built, the altar of worship was built. Now, naturally, you would think that you'd want to take care of the perimeter, right? You'd want to take care of the, the wall first, that you would take care of the, the, the outer before the inner. That's not how God works, right? right? God works from the, the inside, outside. And if we understand it properly, all of life flows from the altar and from the temple where worship takes place. Too many times people are focused on building walls for safety and they're neglecting the altar. They're neglecting the inside. They're building the perimeter around the outside. They're focusing on career, retirement, the worldly systems of, of things we gotta take care of and then whatever is left over, the spare change, we'll give that to God. But God is saying, uh uh let's rebuild the altar, the temple, the place of worship first because we live yeah, yeah, we live in an upside down kingdom where the first is last and the last is first, right? And you can be sure, you can be sure that when we build the altar, we take care of the things of God first, everything else will fall in line. It might not be without difficulty, but it will fall in line. It might require measures of faith more than what we have, but it will fall in line. Because I said at the beginning, we don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we live by faith. So they rebuild the temple without a wall in a place where Israel's got a lot of enemies. And as they begin to rebuild, love this. There was opposition. See, when you start doing things for God, when the people of God started building the temple and the wall, things began to get heated with their, their neighbors. Jerusalem doesn't have the best neighborhood already, right? There's a lot of crazy places around um, Israel and in the, in the Middle East. And so what was the cry of the people to Nehemiah? We're in great trouble and we're in shame. Why? Because the adversaries of the people of God wanted the destruction of the holy city. They wanted the destruction of the people of God. Who were these adversaries in this moment with Nehemiah? Sambalat and Tobiah. If the worship team, if you would go ahead and come to the stage. They were the ones that were seeking to stop the work of God from progressing. Sambal and Tobiah, what do they do? They make death threats, right? They begin to make death threats. They told the people of Israel, you're not capable. You're not able to do this. It's too big for you. You're, you can't do this. They, they said that even if, even if a fox jumps up on the walls that you're rebuilding right now, they're going to crumble. You're not able to do this. See, the adversaries, they did everything they could to insult, to stop, to instill fear, to keep, hinder, destroy the work of God from moving forward, but it didn't happen. Church, there are a lot of people in our culture today that want to see the exact same thing to our nation. They want to stop us from being salt and light. Because if we are salt and light, things will change and things will prove. It's just a byproduct, right? 
If we, who are, if we are who Jesus calls us to be, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? Then as a byproduct, good things are going to take place and happen. And so there's a lot of people that they want to see that stop. It's a spirit of destruction, a spirit that is not from God. It's the party of Sambalat and Tobiah. And as the church, as the people of God, we cannot join with or give into the cries of destroying a nation that God has planted us in. He's planted us here. I want you to think through this. Look at Joseph. He was placed second in command of Egypt. A nation that what? Was a vile nation, a pagan nation. The prophet Daniel served three different pagan administrations in Babylon. Esther was queen in a nation that wasn't a godly nation. But what did they do? They worked for the good of the land because God's plans were bigger than their plans. What was God doing? He was preserving a remnant through people who would step up and step into action in the time that they were appointed for, right? Esther was called for such a time as this. Why? So a remnant of people would be preserved. And Mordecai says, hey, even if you don't rise up, somebody will because God's people, God's remnant will be preserved. It was about preserving the remnant of God, the same thing that we want to do. You know what I call this in this day? Freedom of worship, freedom of religion. We want to see the freedom of worship endure for the next generation, for my children, for your children, for your grandchildren, for the generations to come. That's why we fight so hard. And it all took place in ungodly nations with tainted past. Yet these men and women worked for the good of the land, the preservation of the people of God. Nehemiah helped rebuild the broken places. There's a lot of broken spots in our nation. Nehemiah, he didn't tear down every wall that was there. I looked at the walls this past week, 2,000, 3,000 year old walls. They didn't tear down every wall. You have to take out the faulty places, the places that are probably corrupted in certain areas, but get down to a sure foundation and rebuild. Rebuild. Church, God is calling us to rebuild. And Nehemiah, you know what he did? Nehemiah, he established justice and freedom for the oppressed. As they rebuilt, he didn't sweep injustice under the rug. Nehemiah called to account those who were enslaving their own flesh, their own people. Nehemiah, he flipped the tables and cleansed the temple. He did what Jesus did just a couple hundred years earlier. He cleansed the, te the temple of people who are back-channeling, trying to destroy Jerusalem because some of the religious leadership were making deals with Sambalat and Tobiah. They were related. And so he cleanses the temple. And for those that, I love this part, we're embracing idolatry and having unholy alliances. You have to read this. Nehemiah chapter 13 says that he beat them, pulled out their hair, and it says he cursed them. I'll let you figure that out. But Nehemiah, he wasn't putting up with it. He was working to see a nation come back to God. He was working to see a nation humble itself once again before God. 
Because kneeling before God is where the blessing comes. God is calling us to rebuild the broken places. You know where it starts? It starts at the altar. Before we build the walls, we have to rebuild the altar. Thank God for the freedom we have. But we've got to get to the foot of the cross together. Church, we cannot just aim to change laws. We must aim to change hearts and eternities. And we have to help rebuild a fragmented nation. And it only can happen at the foot of the cross. God is calling to us today. He's calling to us today. Church, we can't do it alone. We must work together. Nehemiah, he didn't do it by himself. Everyone had skin in the game. Everyone there, it took the whole community, it took the whole city. Nehemiah put a sword in one hand and a trial in the other hand to help rebuild the wall so that as they worked, they were ready to defend. As they were ready to defend, they were ready to work. They were worn out, they were tired. It was very trying in these times with all the threats and everything coming in. But they worked to rebuild the land. God is calling us to work to rebuild, not to be a part of deconstructionism, not to be a part of further division, but let us rebuild to protect the altar for our generation, for our children's generation, for the future of this nation, and for the future of this world. God has used the freedoms we enjoy so much through the freedom of worship to be a blessing globally all around this world more missionaries, more missionary units that serve overseas out of this nation than any other nation of the world. Why? Because the freedoms that we enjoy. Church comes with a high price with us defending that. We've got to stand for it and see this nation come back to God. If you would stand with me. If you're here today, before we, I'm going to call everybody forward in just a moment to pray for our nation. But before we go there, but if you're here today, it was the sin of the nation that led to the nation's implosion. Maybe there's things that you're struggling with in your life. Sin in our life will lead to our implosion. It will. Nationally and individually, sin leads to implosion. Sin leads to hell. Sin leads to destruction. So if you're battling sin, something that you need to make right at the foot of the cross today. Before we go out there to fix that, we got to fix it right here, guys. we got to rebuild the altar in here. So with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed today, I say, Pastor, I've been struggling. There's things that I'm dealing with right now that I need to get right, make them right before the Lord. That's you today. If you would just slip up your hand this morning. Slip up your hand. There's hope. There's restoration. There's forgiveness. It doesn't matter what the blank may be. God wants to heal it. He wants to forgive sin. He wants to heal it. And I want us all to pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for forgiveness. I repent of my sins today. And I ask that you would wash me and cleanse me. Become Lord of my life. Help me to live for you, Jesus, each and every day. May sin and struggle not be my master but may you be my Lord I love you Jesus thank you for it in Jesus name Amen Amen if our altar team if you would come down to the front and if you prayed that prayer this morning any of our deacons Sunday school teachers if you would come down to the front if you prayed that prayer this morning we want to pray with you
we want to pray with you. I'm about to call a large crowd down here for prayer. But we want to pray with you individually first because God wants to work in your heart. He wants to work in your life and see you rebuilt. Amen. There was a number of hands that went up. And this is a time that we celebrate what God is doing in your life. It's a time that we celebrate what God is doing in your life. So come to the front and let's pray. But I want us to all take a moment. And if you would gather your belongings this morning, we need to pray for this nation. Amen. We need to pray for revival in this nation. We need to pray for forgiveness in this nation. We need to pray for restoration. If we are Christians, if we name the name of Jesus within our lives, we are working in the business of redemption, restoration, and, and reconciliation. That's just what our God, who our God is and what our God does. And so I want you to get out of your seat this morning, bring your belongings, and I want us to come to the front. And I want us to begin to humble ourselves before the Lord. And I want us to pray that God would work in this land, the land that He has planted us. Come on. Grab your belongings, your purses, whatever, and come down front. And let us just begin to intercede for this nation as the worship team leads us in prayer. Or song. Spirit of God, breathe on your church. Pour on your presence. Speak through your word. We pray in every name.
And God, we ask for this nation. God, you said ask for the nations as an inheritance. And God, so many times we've prayed for nations around this world. And God, we pray for our own nation today. God, as we celebrate a birthday tomorrow of this nation, we call this nation back to you. We need God in America. God, we can't do it without you. We can't do it on our own. And so, Father, we pray that you would draw us back to a place of humility and dependence upon you. God, we thank you that you are merciful, that you are slow to anger. You are abounding in love. And so, Father, we appeal to your mercy and your grace today that, God, your word says it's the kindness of God that leads man to repentance. And, Father, we ask, we put you in remembrance of your word that you would lead men and women across this nation to a place of repentance, to a place of turning from sin, to a place of turning from idolatry, to a place of turning from wickedness and immorality that we have embraced in this nation. God, we call out to you to heal our land. Father, we thank you that there is hope. We thank you that there is hope. God, that we are not devoid of hope because we have you. God, and with you, we have everything that we need. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read the blessing in a moment before we do. Number one, have a tender heart. God can use and He will use everyone as long as our heart remains tender before Him. In a culture, in a world of negativity, speak faith. Speak faith. God's not done. There's a lot of negative talk. There's a lot of pessimism. There's a lot of people that the weather report's always bleak and bad. Speak faith. You wouldn't speak it over your children. Let's not speak it over this nation. Let's speak the destiny of God over this nation. And number three, what Nehemiah do? He got to work. We got to get after it, church, to work for reconciliation. It doesn't always come easy, but it's worth it. You would slip up your hands. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. I will bless them. I'm gonna pray in just a moment, but don't forget, we gotta have cars moved out of the parking lot. Um, heart class today is postponed. The leader's under the weather. And then lastly, I've mentioned to Israel a couple times, we'll have an interest meeting next week if you wanna go with us. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. God, we call this nation back to you. God, we pray that as we celebrate tonight, that God, it would be a glorious time of seeing God and country unite. You sovereignly ruling and reigning over this nation. Father, we need you in this land. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.